Hello and welcome. Wherever you are in the world today, thank you for joining us for the Rise Traveler, unpacking conversations of sustainable travel. We are here to talk to eco-minded and socially conscious travelers, diversity and inclusion specialists, wildlife conservationists, environmental activists, and anyone using travel as a way to uplift and inspire. Together, we will go a step beyond the Instagram-ready world of travel and take a look at how travel can be a source of growth and development for all people in all communities. And now, here's your host, Amy Hager. So today I'm really excited because we have someone from like across the world joining me. So we're, it's morning there, it's afternoon here. Eliza Raymond is one of our senior advisors. She um, helps us in our curriculum development. So Eliza, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Amy. So um, I kick this off with everybody that we bring on the show. Why did you get involved with the Rise Travel Institute? You're one of our founding advisors. You're here at the beginning. So tell us, how'd you, how'd you find Rise? <laughs> well, I think Rise found me in, in many ways. Um, and I guess my, my primary reason for being involved in Rise is, is Rise's founder, Vincy Ho. And she has been a longtime friend and supporter of Good Travel, my social enterprise. And I've really enjoyed following her career as a social entrepreneur and just have a lot of respect for her approach and how, how she does things. So when she asked me, there was no way I could really say no. And I guess on a more personal level too, I am really passionate about what, what RISE does. I would say my two biggest passions in life are sustainable travel and education and RISE really brings those two together so it's a very good fit for me. <laughs> well and I love the find like a lot of the times when we're going live this is the first time I've met a lot of people so to just really figure out like how did we all come together slowly these pieces of the puzzle is coming together and RISE is really a great organization with people from all over the world and so tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. So, well, right now I'm in, in New Zealand, in Wellington, and I've lived here for about 20 years now. But prior to that, I lived in the UK. I'm half British and half French by, by nationality. And in terms of my tourism background, I guess it started really with my, my master's degree, which I did focused on best practice in volunteer tourism. And Following that, I worked for a number of the large volunteer sending organizations and also on the receiving end of volunteers in, in Peru and really got to experience firsthand some of the, the challenges with, with the volunteer tourism sector. And through that experience, I then co-founded my own social enterprise, Good Travel, which is our vision is to transform the tourism industry into a force for good. And we're doing that through through kind of three main areas. The first is trips, the second is advocacy, and the third is research. So we're really trying to do something a little bit different in that our trips are really designed using and integrating the, the research that we, that we do. And so it's trying to be as evidence-based as possible in the way that we, we design and implement trips. So that's a, a short summary. And of course, I'm a 
a traveler. <laughs> I love to travel and have, have always traveled since I was, was a baby. So it's very much part of my identity. And so finding ways that we can travel better is, is very much part of, of who I am. I love that. So then what, what are you up to right now? That's really kind of lighting you up that you want to share with the listeners today? Oh, yes. That's a lovely question. I wasn't expecting that one, but that is a very nice question. Well, I've just started my PhD in tourism management. I'm in week three, day one of week three. So that is probably what's kind of forefront of my mind at the moment and really trying to narrow down on my topic. And I think I'm going to be looking at the impact of travel experiences on global citizenship. So how travel affects the way we understand our place in the world as well as our attitudes and our values and ultimately our, our behaviors not just when we travel but but when we return home and I'm a, a mother of a, a two-year-old girl called Emma so I'm going to be focusing on specifically the impact of travel on children so how how travel can can shape children and um, when when they get to experience it so that is, yeah, very exciting for me right now and something I hope will, again, inform what Good Travel does. We're really working on growing um, the family trip side of what we do. So hopefully we can do that in a way that can really contribute towards building the next generation of, of global citizens. Wow, that sounds like an amazing, I guess, mission and movement to really go for. And I love that you're able to incorporate your your daughter. That's that's so special. I love that. Um <sighs> So then how long will it take you to get your PhD? That's the big question. I, it's meant to be three years. So three years is my target. And in week three, I definitely think I can do it in three years. Maybe when I'm at two, two and three quarters of the way through it, I might be saying something different, but that's my goal. I love that. I love that. Well, I know that um, you know, you've been, you mentioned that you've been traveling since you were a young child. And so I'm curious, have there been any moments in your travels that really created a positive impact maybe on the area that you visited or, you know, the, the citizens that of the area that you visited? Any stories that you want to share? Hmm. Well, I think that's absolutely what we, we try to do through Good Travel, my social enterprise. And so we really make an effort to design our trips in a very thoughtful way to ensure that we do have a positive impact on our destinations and that is actually incredibly hard particularly when we're working in a lot of different countries and one of our core values is is learning so we fully acknowledge you know that this is absolutely a learning process and, and something that we get better at every time but if I look back to our very first trip with with Good Travel which was to Peru where I lived for for a number of years and had some great um, partnerships and, and friendships there already. I think for me, that was certainly there were things to be learned from it. But what we did in that trip was was really memorable because it was my first time to experience, you know, how travel could be, and a trip I was able to design from scratch in partnership with with local nonprofit organisations and social enterprises, and be part of because I was one of the one of the trip leaders for it. And really what, what we did on that trip and, and we continue to do is, is focus on, on those partnerships. So, so talking and listening to local communities and local partners and finding out how we as travelers can 
make a positive impact when when we visit a destination. And that is primarily through partnerships. So through selecting accommodations, activities, restaurants, transport, you know, every step of the journey, partnering with like-minded organizations so that we know that they're the ones who are in their communities and understand the community's needs. So they're the ones implementing that for us. And we are bringing travelers who, who share those same values and also playing a role in, in educating those travelers very much um, in the way that, that RISE does as well. Yeah. So that was very memorable. And we have an amazing nonprofit that we work with in Peru called Peruvian Hearts. And so we always include a donation to them through our trips as well. Wow, that is awesome. That's really amazing. And I love like, it's just so different. And the fact that you got to create that trip is just so cool. What was, if you had to pick your favorite part of that trip, what was it? I think it was our final dinner was with the Peruvian Hearts Scholars. So Peruvian Hearts empowers young women in Peru and many of the women that they work with, I think all of them actually are probably the first in their family to attend university, but it's also, it's not just about university, it's this whole program around building kind of a service lifestyle amongst the girls. And it's it's incredible, a lot of mentoring. And I continue to be a mentor for one of the, their scholars, which is which is fantastic. And on the last night of the trip, we had we had dinner with all the girls at a at a social enterprise restaurant, and it was a really beautiful moment of what what travel should be about for me. Like we all shared our, our dreams and hopes for the future um, around the table, and and of course they were pretty much all the same, you know, different contexts. But it was a great a great chance to kind of see the interconnectedness of us all, and um, also know that you know, through our trip, we had directly supported those those girls in, in furthering their education. And they had also absolutely helped create an amazing experience for us as well. Wow, that sounds awesome. All around, it just sounds really great. Um, and so I want to think on the flip side of things. Is there a time maybe that you made a less positive decision? And what did you learn from? And can you share that with our audience? Because I do think part of what we're doing here at RISE is to really help share stories of how we can all improve and be better. And I love that. I think it's that's really important to acknowledge when we do make mistakes, which everybody I'm sure has done on, on, their, on their travels. And I'm certainly no exception. When yeah, when you ask that question, I think the first experience that comes to mind was when I was 18 and I did what many British um, high schoolers do, which is that I took a gap year and volunteered and I chose to volunteer in an, an orphanage in Guatemala. And I sometimes share this story that on, on the first day at that orphanage, I was asked to sort out this big container of goods that had been donated from the US and in that container of goods, I found a, a pair of skis, snow skis. And this orphanage was in the jungle of Guatemala. <laughs> yeah. And what I kind of realized in that, that moment was that actually I was very much like the skis myself. You know, I was very well-intentioned, but I was no use in this context of a speaking orphanage. You know, at that time I didn't speak very much Spanish. I had no childcare qualifications or, or even experience really. And 
you know, what was needed was, was something very different to what I was able to offer. And since then, of course, a lot has come out about actually how volunteering in orphanages is not, not only was I perhaps not causing a positive impact, but I was perhaps causing harm because as international volunteers, there's been a lot of issues around essentially creating a demand for orphanages in, in low-income countries. And they've uncovered that I think it's about 80% of, of children in orphanages are actually not orphans and they have a living parent. But for various reasons, the parents have, have decided that their child might be better off in an orphanage because they have better access to education. Um, and it's a very complicated issue that I won't get into now, but essentially through international volunteering and donations, we have inadvertently kind of perpetuated and expanded the number of orphanages around the world. Whereas of course, when children can be in their homes and their parents can get adequate economic and well-being support, that is a far more effective way of, of raising children. Wow. And you know, again, like like those skis, that's such a great example. You maybe weren't the right, totally great intention, but maybe not the right yeah. place. And so it, as you think and reflect on other travels that you've had, and even maybe during that gap year, is there anybody that you've ever met that has made an impact on you in a way that you didn't or even couldn't have imagined when you first met this person? Yeah, I love that question because to me, in a way, that's exactly what travel is about, right? It's about the people that you meet on your journey and, and that's what makes it, makes it memorable. And I think what it's also what can help transform your own values and, and attitudes and, and the way that you see the world. I'll be able to tell you more on that in three years when I finish my PhD. <laughs> <laughs> but certainly that's been my experience. So it's hard, to, it's hard to think of one. I mean, an interesting one would be, I sat next to a president, um, President Anote Tong, who is the um, president of Kiribati on a plane that was very unexpected when I looked next to me because I had been doing quite a lot of work in, in Kiribati. It's an island in, in the Pacific Ocean, um, the least visited country in the world, according to some, some sources, so it's very remote. Yeah. Um, but I, I had been working there, so I knew what their president looked like, and, and there he was sitting next to me, and I thought, gosh, that, that wouldn't happen in many places. <laughs> The president. I wasn't in first class or anything. Um, wow. but very interesting because he has been a huge advocate for raising awareness for climate change. And Kiribati is an extremely low-lying set of islands in the Pacific Ocean. Um, Tarawa, the main island where I, I did a lot of work, the, the highest point of the island is one meter above sea level. It's literally a little yeah. road as you as you drive down. And so they're being hugely affected by climate change and yet are probably one of the lowest contributors towards um, emissions and that kind of thing. Um, so he's done a lot of work and was coming back um, from um, Greenland, I think, on, on a trip he'd just done with Greenpeace to raise awareness for, for climate change. So it was fascinating talking to him and really understanding the impact of climate change at a very human level, you know, of how it was was already impacting impacting people in, in Kiribati. That is really, really unique. Yeah, you're right. Like 
how often do you get to sit next to a president on an airplane? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know. I'm sure it'll be the first and last time. And a good time fan that I met a president. <laughs> Well, so if you could look into your crystal ball, how do you see the future of the travel industry of tomorrow? That's a big, a big question. (laughs) (laughs) Something I think we've all been thinking a lot about right over the past, gosh, nearly a year now, isn't it? So I think a few trends which we've seen combined with perhaps optimism on on my part so I think the first one would be a shift in in consumer choices and and expectations and I think there is research out there now that's demonstrating that I found a study from from booking.com that found that 69% of travelers expect the travel industry to offer more sustainable travel options post-COVID so I think there is you know demand for for more sustainable travel options combined with I guess a growing awareness of the issues that over tourism caused pre-COVID I think probably because we've seen in the media particularly how destinations that were suffering from from overcrowding and over tourism have responded and, and how they're looking since, since international tourism has, has pretty much come to a standstill. So that's made it much more real for people, I think. Um, and we've seen some really interesting campaigns. I don't know if you've seen Tourism New Zealand just put out a, a great video called Travelling Under the Social Influence. And it's it's a humorous video, but about trying to stop people to just go to kind of the Instagrammable spots of New Zealand and trying to encourage them to to go beyond that. And I think there's a lot more around that now and a lot more awareness that we need to kind of get beyond the the bucket list mentality. Yeah, beyond the bucket list mentality. Yes, that is in the crystal ball. I love that. Let me, I need to attribute that to Joanna Horgan, I think from Rooted. She wrote a great article all about how we need to, exactly move beyond beyond bucket list approaches when we travel and and how that can be far more meaningful as well so she does some great work if anyone is interested um and then I guess combined with that is we've all well certainly in New Zealand and I think increasingly in other places as well we've all had the opportunity to experience more domestic tourism right and that has contributed to us valuing domestic tourism in in a different way certainly that is the case in New Zealand and that kind of combined with awareness of of climate change I think is going to be really interesting to see how that shapes things things moving forward Hmm. I feel like all of these different factors are going to result perhaps this is my crystal ball in when we can travel internationally again, perhaps fewer, but slower, longer and more meaningful international trips. So people, I think, have used COVID as kind of a chance to refocus on on their priorities in life and and what they care about and also really value, value connection. So I think, you know, the types of trips that Rise offers, that Good Travel offers, 
will be what what people are are looking for. People are going to be hopefully, you know, perhaps just doing one big international trip every now and again, rather than jetting off all over the place. But when they do do that trip, really looking for something that is meaningful for them and has a positive impact on on the places that they visit. That's my hope. That's interesting. I like it. I definitely like it. It's very clear. And I don't know, I feel like you're right. We're in a time where it's time to reflect and, and kind of change our habits. So Absolutely. I can't wait to catch up with you in three years because you're going to have your PhD and we're going to see how this all plays out and replay this interview and see what, what happens. So I will see you in 2024. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. The date. Um, <laughs> well, so I want to ask one more question and, and the fact that you brought up your daughter earlier in the interview, I'm just kind of curious maybe if she's going to play in a little bit to your answer, but what legacy do you want to leave behind? Oh, that's a, that's a big question. And one that's been going around my mind a lot, actually, with, with trying to focus and narrow down my PhD topic, because, you know, it is something I'm going to be spending my next three years doing and, and which I hope will, will influence the way that, that good travel operates and, and rise, hopefully, as well. I think for me my legacy will be really uncovering what it means to be a global citizen. And, you know, it's a term that is used more and more and is sort of used interchangeably with all these other terms that have slightly different meanings like global mindedness, um, cross-cultural understanding. So kind of bringing that all together and, and coming up with, of course, an academic theoretical framework for my thesis, but on the flip side of that, a real practical application of, of what, what global citizenship means. I feel like it's the, the issue of our time in many ways. You know, COVID has shown how interconnected we are. The Black Lives Matter movement, climate change, all these different issues which are so pressing. Yeah. If we can find a way to make people care kind of beyond their borders I feel like that will make a huge difference to to the future of of humanity and I believe travel has a role to play in that and so really bridging those two and and coming up with practical ways that travel can be more deliberate in how they build the next generation of, of global citizens yeah no I love that I love that all right. Well, you heard it here first, 2024. We're revisiting this and we're going to check the temperatures, see how we're doing. But thank you so much for spending time with me today. I really appreciated getting to know you better. And I'm so excited, excited for the journey that you're on. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Amy. It's been really enjoyable talking with you and yeah, forward to staying involved with RISE. Yes, definitely. Well, and that that brings us to the end of our journey today. And so if you like what you've heard and you want to hear more, please subscribe, like, and comment. We'll come back and check out the comments if you have any questions. And you can follow us here on um, Facebook at Rise Travel Institute or on Instagram. Um, And then Twitter, we're at Be Rise Traveler. So here at the Rise Travel Institute, we believe travel is a powerful tool for positive transformation transformative change. And if you're a college student, you know, planning that 
study abroad or maybe even that gap year, a young professional thinking about taking a trip, or really anyone who wants to travel the world in a sustainable way, we do encourage you to head over to risetravelinstitute.org for more information on our educational courses. And we'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, keep roaming, keep learning, and continue to be a RISE traveler. Thank you. This podcast is an extension of the RISE Travel Institute, a 501c3 nonprofit committed to empowering young travelers through educational programs, research, study tours, and scholarships. Visit risetravelinstitute.org to learn more.